This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Here with another of the 25 Years podcasts, and this one about the 2006 Ravens, a favorite of all our teams, a favorite of a lot of us, at least, until that horrible playoff loss. Rita, how you doing? Good. I'm I'm great. I'm good for now until we get to the playoff loss. Of that year. <laughs> all right. You'll, you'll know Rita uh, as the NFL chick on Twitter, at the NFL chick, correct? Yes. Okay. Any other place to talk football with you normally? Uh, Gridiron Gals on Twitter as well. Um, the NFL Chick and Gridiron Gals on Instagram and Facebook. All right. Very cool. All right. And I know I've been noticing you've been on some various things and, and uh, sharing your opinion. I really wanted to have you on. And I appreciate you doing this with us. Thank you for having me. Let's talk about the 2006 season and, you know, one where the Ravens coming off a terrible 2005, frankly, where the the team really had to decide that Kyle Bowler was not the guy for this franchise, went out and got Steve McNair, uh, a quarterback who'd been locked out of the Tennessee facility. Yep. Um, I remember that like it was yesterday, honestly. And that was you knew that was the the end of his era um, in Tennessee. I believe they had drafted Vince Young. that offseason top five um, and 
you knew that Steve McNair needed a home and immediately it was like the Ravens were the perfect fit because that defense was really good. And um, although the skill players weren't as great as you do, you know, maybe other teams, Steve McNair was a a player that could elevate anybody um, that he played with. So you still had a Jamal Lewis, you still had a Todd Heath, you still had guys, but you just needed a guy to get those guys and got going. And, And like you said, Kyle Bowler just wasn't it. We had realized three seasons in that he just wasn't really going to develop into something that they wanted. This team was pretty built for the playoffs. Um, So it was a perfect fit that McNair um, came here. And immediately you saw the results um, of that season. Yeah, week one, of course, they, they, they go in and they trash the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers yep. 27 to nothing, a game I remember the heat from right now. Uh, but uh, McNair, the very first drive of the season, drives him 80 yards in about eight minutes or so right yep. down the field. He that was that was when you and and ironically, like you said, it's week one. I don't really like to get too invested in week one games. Honestly, for me, the first three to four weeks of the season, I'm still not really sure um, how teams are going to be. It could could always change um, injury or, you know, anything. But you knew right then and there. Oh, yeah, they were legit. You could feel it you could feel the chemistry that he had with his guys you could feel that that defense was riding on him it was just something different that bowler just did not have um the year before and so you knew that as long as there were no injuries that that was going to be a special season for the baltimore ravens yeah, it really was. They uh, they they had the pieces together, certainly on defense, draft picks, top to bottom strength across that defense. Week uh, two, they they destroyed the Oakland Raiders, twenty eight to six. Yep. Uh, week three was an interesting one because they trailed fourteen to three entering the fourth quarter against Cleveland. Came back and won that game, fifteen to fourteen, on a fifty two yard field goal by Stover. Pretty much as the game ended, Matt Stover obviously you know was was getting on in his career yeah. at that point. Uh, but 52 yard kick was not, it was not a certain thing the way we'd expect it from right. at this point. Uh, my, my girlfriend and I were at the game now, wife, then girlfriend. Uh, and we sat behind a guy who was wearing a Baba Tunde Oshinowo Jersey. <laughs> now his, his special place in Ravens history was that he's, he was the sixth round draft pick that the Ravens used to trade up from number 13 to 12 to take Haloti. Haloti. Yes. Yeah. It was yeah. And, yeah, and, he and, and Cleveland, games. Cleveland had that pick, correct? That's correct. Correct me if I'm wrong, because I, 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 a lot of this stuff, Ken, is just muscle memory. Like, it's just stored in the back of my brain. So I didn't look this up, but I just remember this stuff so well. And I remember, I believe Cleveland had the pick. And like you said, they traded up um, to go one spot to get Nada that offseason, that 2006 season. And obviously, he he had an immediate impact um, on that defense as well. Yeah, sure, sure did. They came home and beat the Chargers in week four, 16 to 13 in the Todd Heath That was a game. huge game because that's Phillip Rivers' first year. Obviously, the Chargers go 14 and two. Again, this is muscle memory. I, yep. I, I'm pretty sure that's how that went, that's right? That's correct. Um, and and they were the team to beat. And like you said, Todd Heap at the end of that game, that was, that was, that was a, Big game for the Ravens at that at that moment. 
Sure was. Sean Merriman, the ex-Maryland player, missed yep. that tackle. Very nice, uh, nice uh, gift to the Ravens. They, they did a good job with Ladanian Tomlinson that yes. day, who had a huge season um, and uh, and was already embroiled in contract difficulties with with the Chargers at that point. Uh, yes. Who also had Michael Turner that they didn't know exactly how to do. Hmm. Next two weeks, a little bit of a downer. They 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 lost a game to Denver on I believe Monday night. Yes, it was Monday night, thirteen to three in Denver, and then they came home and they lost a game. To the Panthers, twenty Carolina. Yep, I remember that. I remember that Panthers game because it it felt like a game that they should have won. But I, Steve Smith had a good game. Correct me if I'm wrong, or he at least had a, a really good play in that had game. The game winning touchdown. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. So so yeah, he. I knew he had something significant happened in that game, and it, and, it, and they eventually lose. Um, that that game, but it felt like a game going into it. Like, okay, we're at home. The Ravens obviously are one of the best home teams in the National Football League. You thought that that was pr- going to be pretty um, easy, and somehow they lose that. Game. Yeah, they they should win that game. And I, I don't know where you were, Reed, at this point, but I'm thinking maybe this team is not quite as good as yes. we'd hoped. You know, losing on the road to Denver, losing at home to Carolina. Not great losses. Yes, I agree. I mean, I thought that they were still good. I thought that they would make the playoffs, um, but I didn't see them turn it on because in the coming weeks, obviously, they play the Steelers who, you know, just won a Super Bowl mm-hmm. um, that offseason, the, 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 before the offseason. So, you know, you didn't see what was to come um, in those coming weeks in that that series. Yeah, and then the, the Ravens then put together an extraordinary five-game set. They went down to New Orleans. I don't know how many people remember the win at New Orleans, but they led 21 nothing. The 35-22 final score is not at all reflective of how close that game was. Yeah. And a couple guys really had their coming out party there. Ronnie Prude had, I think, two interceptions in that game. And somebody else had a pick six. It might have been Landry, but it might have been somebody else who's a defensive back who you don't hear of too often. I think it was anyway. Landry. I think it was Landry. And I also remember the quarterback draw um, that McNair scored himself in that game to kind of seal and seal the deal and win that football game. So, yeah, that was that was a big game for them. Yeah, really, really outplaying them by that badly was not something that was really often done to the Saints down there. But they came in and they embarrassed them. And the Saints made a turn the ball over a bunch of times. Uh, they played Cincinnati in in uh, on November fifth, and this is now in week eight, or actually it's week nine because there was a bye already. They beat them twenty six to twenty. Now Cincinnati uh, thought of as as the primary division contender. They'd been good in two thousand five. They yeah. had, a, had a, a a big year from Carson Palmer then, and uh, and it was thought that they would they would uh, you know certainly contend for the division. Uh, this was the first notion that they were really not as good as the Ravens. <laughs> right. Exactly. Well. Correct me if I'm wrong. Carson Palmer um, goes out with a knee injury in that playoffs, uh, literally the year before. Mm-hmm. So he probably he wasn't. You know, they they just weren't at full strength anyway. But the Ravens capitalized off of that and they dominated. Yeah, it's funny. The Bengals always have kind of been the Bengals, but it was I think it was Chad <laughs> Johnson at the end of the game, or maybe it was maybe it was uh, Henry. The guy uh, since uh, deceased, yes. but went went up not high for a deep pass over the middle of the field on the last play, and it got intercepted. And Palmer was livid about <laughs> no effort on the play. But we've seen that so many times now from AJ Green last year, and and uh, obviously, you know, I don't I don't know what it is about the Bengals culture that they just have not had really good effort receivers, and definitely good quality receivers. You know what's funny about that is like I, I think Chad is a guy that 
at the very least made some type of attempt yes. because there's there's a play that that we see a lot that's a, a gif that we see all the time where Chad goes up and makes a play and Ray Lewis puts a hard tackle on him. It's a pretty well known shot, um, and it, it I think at some point it, it caused a flag um, to be thrown, but it, it it was a textbook play. It literally was flagged just because it looked like he hit him too. hard. Hard, <laughs> but he went up for that for that pass, and he paid for it. He paid for it big time. Chad did. Yeah, there's, a, there's another one where Chad Johnson got hit within the five yards of the line of scrimmage. No flag, but, right. but he goes back goes back to the sideline. Goes, I accidentally ran into Ray Lewis. <laughs> it wasn't an accident. <laughs> but we know for a fact that one side of it was not an accident. Yeah, that's right. That's right. All right. So the Ravens then go to Tennessee in in Week Ten. Uh, they're, they're six and two, and they play the Titans and get down to that game 26 to 7 yeah 26 to 7 it just looked like crap uh vince young was a quarterback as you mentioned uh for the titans huge come uh, coming home game for uh mcnair the play that kind of started to turn it around was a 30 yard touchdown pass to ovi mahaley uh wow. where, where he rumbled down the left sideline for until use check beat it it was many years uh that was the longest reception by a fullback in Ravens history. 30 wow. So, wow. Really. That's Mahaley is a name. Wow. That I, I think I've taken out of my memory. And now that you brought it, put back, it back, put it back. Yeah. You put it back in there. <laughs> he had a big second half. He, uh, he really, after that game, he was, he was a very significant part. He had about 20 receptions in the second half of the yeah. year. And for a fullback, that's a, that's quite a bit. That's huge. So, Absolutely. Yeah. So they end up winning that game uh, on McNair to Mason being putting ahead 27 to six mm-hmm. and then getting a blocked field goal from Trevor Price in the final seconds after uh, Vince Young got him down the field again to uh, to get him in range for. Yes, for I remember. Game. Yes, absolutely. I, Trevor Price is a guy that, you know, we you you all the Ravens are really good defensively. And so there are guys that are integral parts of the team. But that but Trevor Price was. I felt like a fan favorite of sorts, similar to like a Kelly Gregg, right? Where it's not a guy that it's really popular outside of the, the, the fan base, but to those that follow Trevor Price was a guy that people really loved that signing when he came. Um, yeah. And so that, that again, that defense, particularly that defense was lined in 2006 was so good. Yeah, he was he was a huge part of that. He was. he was usually inside as a five tech. You could play on the outside as well. But when he was inside, um, he drove that pass rush completely in terms yes. of getting interior pressure. He's like what Pernell McPhee would become in 2014 as a guy who commanded double teams, didn't have the huge sack total himself. Although I think he did lead the team in sacks. I think he had about 13 sacks that year, too. So it was his, it was his best year. Yes, but, it was. But, but it was it was I, it, he was a completely dominant interior uh, defensive lineman and uh, a favorite for years, although he really never was very healthy again for the Ravens for the no. rest of his career. No, not that I, not that I can recall, but like you said, when he was on, he was on and he was on fire. And um, that's just one, that was like one of my favorite players. I've always liked guys on defense um, and Trevor Price was one of my favorites at that time. Well, me too. Uh, Atlanta Falcons come to town in, in week 11, and the Ravens beat them 24-10. Michael Vick yes. got his first shot in Baltimore, and they 
really rolled him over. They did a, a lot of different people had a sack, including Jerome Sapp had a very wow. uh, noticeable pile on sack. Kelly Gregg had a sack in one-on-one. And <laughs> I, I tell you who was on the sideline doing the reporting was Tony Siracusa. He, he's, I've never heard him as excited about any individual play as he was about Kelly Gregg sacking Michael Vick. It was like the highlight of his broadcasting career. So correct me if I'm wrong. Was Greg there when Goose was there? So maybe like drafted or yes. came up underneath him. Okay. So that's a personal, that's a, probably a personal right. uh, uh, thing for him. But yeah, Vick, I think, so I know what, Four years prior, right? They played Vic in Atlanta. Remember, mm-hmm. Vic, Vic breaks his ankle or leg um, in that game, and it's so a game, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was a preseason game. So a lot of people were were anticipating that. First of all, it's Michael Vic, um, you know, one of the most electrifying players you've seen, and a lot of people was concerned about oh, this being some type of revenge game, and he was going to run all over the place. And the Ravens were like, nah, not today. <laughs> not today. So it was a good game. They had to come back from a 7 nothing halftime deficit, but they, uh, they made it happen. Didn't yes. look so good in the first half. The next week had their most dominating win of the season, I think including the opener. They beat the Steelers 27 to nothing. They had nine sacks. I've, I've got videos of every Ravens game, but I've got videos of the sacks broken up just so I can watch all nine in a row. Yeah. <laughs> and that is very, very good listening if I ever want to go to sleep. It's easily, it just puts me to sleep like that. Easily one of the best games. Easily one of the best mm-hmm. games um that we had seen thus far from them. And again, they had just won the Super Bowl the previous year. So that was such a huge game for the Ravens because everybody felt like, okay, yes. Like you mentioned earlier, the Bengals were good. They were trending up, but what happened to Carson Palmer in the playoffs kind of leveled them a little bit. The Steelers obviously Super Bowl champions. So they are the team to beat. And um, the Ravens like not only beat them, I mean, they beat them down that year, like 57 to seven or something total. So the, the 58 to seven in the two games is exactly right. Very seven, good. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Your, your recollection of this is really remarkable. I appreciate <laughs> I appreciate having you on for this. This is great stuff. Um, I, I, a guy I really loved had probably his biggest game against the Steelers. And that's Corey Ivy. Yes. The, the slot corner. So he stripped the ball that Adelis Thomas ran into it for, for the end zone. So it was one of the nine sacks. And that's probably one of the best you know known sacks. He also was somehow in the backfield on a screen pass that Roethlisberger literally threw right into his belt buckle. Mm-hmm. And uh, if they were about belt buckles and he picked off. So he had, a, he had a huge game that year and really a great season for this team. And so, of course, that's the game. Of course, the Bart Scott one, right? Where yep. Scott, Bart. he said he'd never been hit so hard in his life, Brent Roethlisberger says. Here, so, it, did, it didn't look like much. It didn't look it like didn't. Much. Well, He left his feet, but yeah. It didn't. No, but hey, Ben says he got hit hard. If he never been hit that hard before. Then, hey, look, I, I believe you, Mr. Ben. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the next week they had a chance to put the division away on the road at Cincinnati, and they needed a win, and they couldn't do it. They, yeah. they got beat thirteen to seven. They're down thirteen nothing. Uh, really, a, a kind of a very weak offensive performance. Yes, it wasn't good foreshadowing for what would happen. Um, you know, it was, it was a little bit worrisome that the Ravens would off and on have these really empty offensive games, but this was one of them. And and uh, you know, a, a, a team that really shouldn't have beat them did. 
and uh, and they had to continue on and and uh, and try to do well. Yeah. The next week they went to Kansas City. Now Kansas City had a, had an extraordinary record of not losing December home games. It hadn't it had been like uh, seventeen of eighteen or maybe eighteen in a row that they'd won at home? A streak that lies you know went way back. Yeah. Um. And, and they beat them twenty to ten, and and they they were up twenty to three in that game. So they really dominated it the entire way. Uh, oh, are we in now? This is the one part that I don't remember. Are we in Trent mm-hmm. Green years or Matt Castle years at this point? Okay. Always. Matt Castle's two thousand ten. Does this would be Green? Yeah. So this is these are these are Trent Green years. So that makes complete sense. Obviously, um, Kansas City was very good, except for when they play Indianapolis. So I can um, I can absolutely see how they were at a point where they were pretty much hard to beat at home. They were perennial playoff contenders at that point. Um, like I said, except for when it comes to Indianapolis, they just couldn't beat them. So that that says a lot about that team and how they were able to turn things around from that point on, from from the, the loss from the week before. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, let's move on to, to the Cleveland Browns game on December 17th. They finally clinched the division, and who's at quarterback again but Kyle Bowler? <laughs> oh. All right, that's enough of that game. I yeah, think. thank you. Well, I'm moving along. Okay, okay so uh, they played the Steelers again, and McNair's back at the helm on, on Christmas Eve. Yes. Uh, they improved the record at 12-3 and with a 31-7 to win. I, I remember... Palomalu getting beat over the top directly for, I believe, by Clayton. Clayton, it was. It was Mark Clayton. And, you know, Mark Clayton, in that particular series, not just that series, but that year, right? Because a lot of people will will have their opinions about um, Clayton. Um, I don't like to to consider Clayton a bust. And I say that because I think 2006 is a year that if you looked at his productivity, um, it showed that having a good quarterback could get him involved in that offense. And um, I remember very clearly that Palomalu play that you're talking about, that he gets the ball to Mark Clayton. And that was the potential that he always had. Um, it's just, you know, obviously we know what happened after 2006 and, and then eventually, you know, Flacco comes later on. But, you know, that was one of his – that was his – literally one of his best seasons and, that, and and it showed why okay first round draft pick doesn't feel like it's so bad because the McNair connection that he had um not only in that series against the Steelers but just his productivity all all year was was consistent yeah he's a good player and and uh you know he's kind of burdened by the first round draft pick thing. Yes. but if he'd been if he'd been another a later round pick we'd say oh, that was a real value we'd have no issues yeah. with Clayton if he's a later round draft pick it literally is because he's a first round draft pick all right so all is not one for the Ravens they had to play the Buffalo Bills and on the final day of the season the big thing they were playing for was the bye yes they had to get that bye they had to secure it with the win over the Steelers I believe that was the win of the Steelers put them back in position to get a bye uh, it, because one of the other teams, <laughs> I, it might have been Kansas City. Now it would have been Kansas City because it would have been maybe the Colts. Uh, Probably Indianapolis, yeah. Because obviously, yeah. Well, yes. Could have been New England too. So, so it was one of those teams lost to put them in position to get the bye. But anyway, they, they had a tough time in that game, and they were only hanging on, and uh, not until Chris McAllister's interception in the end zone did they really put it away. Yep. Yeah, that was uh, another. Again, you talked about the fluctuation of the offense in the, in the season, and you had outings where they were dominant, and then you had outings like the Buffalo game. Like, 
okay, well, clearly you should be beating this team. So what's the issue here? So ironically, in hindsight, I feel like that was a sign of things to come maybe. And we just, (laughs) but the record showed that they were such a good football team and that for the most part, they were able to overcome some adversities that you just did not see what was about to happen. (laughs) That that defense from top to bottom had been, had led the league in everything. They had the Colts come in there. The Colts had just played a, a, you know, a, not a difficult game, but they had to beat Kansas city. Yes. uh, at, at home in the playoffs and then come, you know, after after the Ravens have been off and just thought, this has got to be that year yep. that the Ravens are going to be able to do it. And uh, sure enough, they don't score, uh, not a touchdown anyway, against the against the Colts, lose 15 to 6. They really held, the defense did its part. They, he held, they held Peyton Manning down very well. Defense did its part. Um, obviously, the biggest glare was Jamal Lewis having, what, under three carries in the second half, I believe. Um, he wasn't, although the first half he was effective, we didn't, he was pretty non-existent, um, in the second half and it just became a passing, um, game of sorts that wasn't necessary. And that's the part that I think hurts the most is that you had a good game plan going in. And instead of sticking with the game plan, you tried to switch some things up. The thing that stands out to me the most about that game is uh, when I hate to use this term in a bad way, but, you know, Jerry Sandusky always says the hay is in the barn or the hay was in the barn. When McNair threw that, it was, uh, I think, attempting to throw um, a, a touchdown past the Todd Heap and he was intercepted yeah. um, in the end zone. And so that that kind of you knew then it just wasn't their day. Um, and, you know, we had a lot of questions about the play calling and, and such after that game. But, you know, look, truth of the matter is, is that it just wasn't their time. You thought it was, you know, this is the same Super Bowl that literally had Prince going to perform purple rain of all things uh, (laughs) there. So you thought that this was your time, right? And then, you know, Hey, something happens and says, Nope, you got to wait. So um, that was the most disappointing thing is that they, they had dominated for the most part, the entire season. And then, like you said, the defense does their part, which is very hard to do against that Colts offense mm-hmm. and the way that they were wired. And yet you could not score a, a touchdown. And cool. yeah, Colts very much a uh, Achilles heel for the Ravens during that entire period. Yes. Here's what, I, here's what I want to hear from you. I want to hear your story of game day for that playoff game because I've got my own and and I <laughs> I was I was beyond distraught, furious about the about the game as much as I've been furious about any game ever. In fact, more I'd say that the the 2011 playoff game at New England not as bad. I just didn't think they were. Oh gonna man, I cried. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was it was it was bad. And as far as being sad, and being upset and having a long amount of travel to get home and whatnot, that's always sucks. But but the but in terms of of expecting to win the game and then getting beat, the only thing that comes close is the 2019 Titans to me. Yeah. And this is just it was just awful. So it's funny because that day I tailgated. I didn't go to the game that day, but um, I tailgated. I went down to the stadium and I tailgated, you know, with some friends from work. And um, when I was going back to, you know, wherever I was going to watch the part, the, the, the game, I went to a watch party to watch the game on my way back. 
I, I had something come over me, Ken, and I did not feel good about that game. And I can't explain it. I don't know why, but my intuition said that this something wasn't right. Um, and so, of course, I'm not going to say that out loud because I don't, you know, you don't want to be the person that says, "Hey, y'all, I don't, I don't like the way this feels on me." You know, the game hadn't even started, and I felt <laughs> that way. You know, and I was just thinking, well, maybe this is just like just some doubt that people have. But it was strong that day. It was very, very strong that day. It wasn't a cold day, you know, um, very similar to the 2019 playoff loss. Just the the mood of the day. It was just the, the vibe was so the energy of downtown was so great. But I could not shake this feeling of something just not going to be right in this game and obviously you know we see what happens and it was just so disappointing to see all of the thing everything that we watched them go through that whole year basically kind of just be wasted Fall apart it just it fell apart i mean it literally fell apart the offense being as inept as they were and and the Colts is a good team in the playoffs they find ways to 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 you know bend but don't break and I hate that saying but that is literally the Colts in a nutshell um if and how they do things particularly in the playoffs um and they're not a big team though the Colts are not a big team it's it's not a team that the Ravens with their huge offensive line should be able to really handle right they really should have been able to handle them Bob Sanders I believe safety of the team and maybe he played really well so you know you just really thought that as long as the defense does their part I mean that was I think that that was the consensus to all of us as long as the defense holds their end of the bargain it's a walk in the park. And so to see that they only came out with six points against the defense, honestly, that I don't even, I can't even remember if they were even middle of the pack. I, I'd like to think that they were high twenties at that point um, was really disappointing. And seeing that Jamal Lewis was a non-factor um, in that game also just kind of really was disappointing because you want to get your best players involved. And in the second half, he just was non-existent. Of course, that was Jamal's last game as a Raven. Yes. Rita, we got to cut it here. But I got to tell you, this has been just a complete pleasure rediscussing this season with you. And, and I, you know, your, your memories are very firm on this. I <laughs> would love to have you back for another one of these episodes. If you've got another topic you'd like to go over. Sure. Uh, tell folks again where they can find you. Um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook um, at the NFL Chick. Oh, and also um, Project Game Day. We, myself and Glenn Clark, um, we do um, post game for Ravens games on Press Box Online. And you can find that on Facebook. All right. Outstanding, Rita. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. <laughs> This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, 
for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.